uh, given the very recent history of this podcast, I want to make sure that I really drive this point home. Um, when we are referring to Wynn Butler, make sure you do call him the noted, former noted little bitch. This is true. This is true. Former noted former no little bitch award winner, Wynn Butler. Yeah, the original that's pretty much it. Noted little bitch. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, that, that's the only important thing to mention for you. <laughs> Hello, humans, and welcome to Audio Face, a reverend podcast about the news, news, music, culture that mostly matters. I'm Dan. I am Sean. And welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is um, episode 243 of the podcast. And on the podcast, we have three albums Age, Sex, Location by Ari Lennox, Arrangements by Preoccupations, and As Above, So Below by Sampa the Great. We have a couple of singles from some up and coming artists, as we tend to do. Um, we have some British monarch slander. We have some pretty actual non-slander stories about Wynn Butler, um, it appears to be, you know, allegedly in the articles and such. And um, we, most importantly, will be having a ton of members content coming for you all. I'm just going to skip ahead and go to this. We're doing like a little members appreciation month in October. So you're going to be getting um, episodes. Like, of course, we usually do uh, drops of episodes for members first, especially our bonus episodes, so we're going to be doing ones for Arctic Monkeys and the 1975 in opposite order uh, that will be releasing in October. And then an exclusive episode. This won't be anywhere else. You'll have to be a Syndicate 23 member to get this for Junior Boys. That yeah, is yeah. going to be a really, really nice one, a Deep State one for a really amazing fundamental band. One of those like behind the scene ones um, <clears throat> because they will be releasing some music soon. And We'll be digging into that. I wonder if Bam from Power Report and We Made It Podcast will be joining us for the review of that because be. that would be a tweet. That would be a treat, I mean. Um, Do you wanna, uh, isn't he joining us for the bonus episode too? Or is it just bonus episode? episode, yes. But I don't, know if we, I don't know if we agree to the review. I'm not, um, <clears throat> I, I know I better than to speak for him, but that'd be great. I would yes. love to, for him to come in the review. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we can, we, we can work this three box over here. Anyways, um, <clears throat> we have our singles right now. And the first one we have up is Hoax by Jordy Up Late. I really like the sort of beginning of the song and sort of the post-chorus that happens throughout it. It's sort of this sort of fuzzy synth thing that I'm really starting to see a lot in Jordy Up Late's music. It's really kind of a fun, unique sort of sound. And really haven't been getting a lot of that from indie music, especially lately. We've been complaining about that a lot. And I'm happy to hear something like this. It's a fresh indie sound. I really like it. It's, you know, mixing a bunch of different modern um, electronic samples and stuff. Since a lot of things you hear in Neopop and in Trap and then stuff you get in pop music and stuff, but you blend it all together and it makes this really cool indie track. The only thing you know me is I love my... I snap claps, so just get rid of the damn clap sample, and then I'll be a very happy camper. <clears throat> um, but actually, it's a track. I, I really enjoyed it. I like the vocals on it a lot. I like the production of it. It's a really, really fresh for indie, which is good. Because, yeah, as you said earlier, we've been getting 
pretty monotonous stuff from indie lately, so it's nice to have this sound in here. And I like it. I agree. Next, we have 21 by No Loon off of the 21 EP that she just released. And it's an interesting sort of like buildings Roman sort of like coming of age track that is sort of folk sounding that really reminds you of like being set in the wilderness. I'm not a liar. No, I'm just 21. No, I'm just 21. No, I'm just 21. But also has a lot of energy because, well, it's like it's a slower song, but I feel like it has a lot of energy throughout the lyrics, especially because of how it's talking about that sort of, you know, moving out of the nest, that wanting to kind of grow up and be one own, one's own kind of person. So um, mm-hmm. I really like that track. Yeah, I like it. I think it's it's beautiful. It's I really like how like the the vocals are with it acoustic it's just very simple but beautiful and deep and yeah I, I like it a lot yeah those are our hot new singles for this week we are going to do a lot of singles going throughout this coming uh music fall <laughs> we were just talking before the podcast how it's giving us a lot of anxiety about how much music is coming out but you know it's good it's gonna be very fun we have a lot of fun episodes and stuff we're gonna be doing for you all and it is going to be great if not a little bit busy and so a little bit my ass is gonna be crazy busy <laughs> a, a, a little bit you know kind of i think we will manage it i think we'll be okay but make we'll sure that you um Follow Audio Face everywhere you can to make sure you support everything we're doing at Audio Face Pod on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm going to try to bring the Instagram back because I um, had some fun in Photoshop uh, in the middle of the day the other day. And so um, I am going to try to do some stuff on that and on Twitter as well. Um, also, check out PowerPort. We're doing PowerPort live every single week. That's really fun. We just did an episode with Caesar and Bam on. Just the news of the week. There was a lot of news, especially last week, because we did it the day that um, Queen Elizabeth took her last Elizabeth. And we, you know, had a lot of commentary about what kind of that represented, how the online community reacted. I cannot wait until the day Henry Kissinger gets his. And lastly, thank you, Peter, for editing all of these things. And also, happy birthday, Peter. Uh, Go to... P- at PJS mixed it on Instagram for any of your ma- music mastering um, needs. And yeah, greatly appreciated. Thank you for making all of these episodes on Syndicate 23 Network sound nice and, you know, really high quality. Thank and you, so, Peter. yes, thank you. Extreme thank you, Peter. And so, with that, we begin our first album review of the day. Serving it, no, no, that, that's, that's a, that's a going to be a shot. That's, that's, that's a me thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you're, you're trademarking that. Anyways, this is going to be Age, Sex, Location by Ari Lennox. 12 mm-hmm. songs, 41 minutes long. Um, this is a really nice Ari Lennox trap and be kind of project. I forget yeah. which. Oh, this is just like her second like proper album after Shea Butter Baby yeah. that came out in 2019. I honestly forget if we reviewed that or not. We might have, which I know I wouldn't be surprised if we had hit that album at that point. But no, she's been really solid in honestly being in a lot of good features with artists and really holding it down in this like 
not necessarily burgeoning genre anymore, but uh, Trap and B is very, neopop is very pronounced at this like time. So you get into Ari Lennox's age, sex, location, and in some ways it's a concept record, but you know, in a lot of Trap and B, it's a love kind of concept, so to speak. But there are a lot of ways this could have had pitfalls. I don't really think it has many. I think it plays through very, very well. And I think that the overall motif, um, ASL, which is explained in the ASL interlude, kind of calls back to internet chat rooms from like the early 2000s. Back in the day, that's how you would greet someone, ASL. And then I would just, I would lie, I would catfish. And then they would call me Um, <laughs> Sean and I smiled like ah, those were, those thems was the days, and like oh, no, it, it was it was wild. Like you had um, chat roulette, you had some other like very, you had some other like very more raunchy ones. So I think I remember Omegle one was one at the time, um, but it was just like I, I talk about this a lot on PowerPoint, especially recently, the time on the internet where there weren't really many social media networks and people just found communities organically by sort of floating around on the internet and maybe reading comments and, you know, making friends on uh, early online video games. Like, it was a very, very different time. And, yeah, as Ari Lennox says in that interlude, like, that was a common thing you would introduce yourself with, like, age, sex, location. Like, um, back then... There, there wasn't a lot of like gender um, expression back then. I will be honest to be to be real. So maybe it could have been more progressive time in that sense in retrospect. But yeah, also a lot of people just you know made up a lot of those <laughs> aspects because 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 you just could. A um, homie, don't play that because we were just smarted and we we're also like raised by parents who were uh, from the like '90s. Uh, don't get abducted generation. Especially because the internet was a new thing and there were like a lot of, you know, stories on TV about that. But um, I really liked that playthrough of the motif and a lot of songs thrown here that are really quality. Um, what do you think about the album overall before we jump in? You know. Actually, I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. Um, I really like how it plays through. It is, you know, I think it's right at the mark of like perfect length for the record. Being 41 minutes, 12 songs is like right where it needs to be. It's a sweet spot where it doesn't feel too long, doesn't feel too short. It gets out all the ideas that she thinks out and everything, all of the lyricism in there is, is great. Um, the, the three features on here are fantastic. Lucky Day, Chloe, and Summer Walker. All artists that we all like individually themselves. And then on here, they... They pair very, very well with Arnie Lennox um, each track that they do as well. Um, I feel like it plays uh, through well. I don't feel like there's any like top heavy or bottom heavy. Like, everything is just really smooth with like, the transitions. I really like the like the, the little interlude and also like how the motifs are throughout the record. It stays true to it. So you actually get a nice concept record, even though like this concept is kind of drawn out and stuff obviously throughout trap and b and a bunch of other genres but the way that they it she presents it in this record i like it a lot because it's 
a fresher take in a way, like especially the lyricism. There's some things that have like popped out in my mind of like, oh wow, that's a cool way to say it of of like people wasting time or you know wanting to be mature and so on and so forth. And um, like there's a couple other like funny things with a uh, boy by uh, Lucky Day track in the middle of the record that I thought was pretty clever. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll love to get to that track too. Yeah, and but overall, I feel like it's good. The production is fantastic. Um, I really like this trap and B where it's to me, it's like at almost at like the height of like well, I don't know what else you can really do with the genre in that way with the production wise. But to me, like this is what like it. This is like the cherry on top of it. Where this is fantastic. I, I enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed this as well. Um. Yeah, you start with POF and Hoodie. Hoodie we talked about in a previous singles mm-hmm. episode. Um, we, it's, it's a really nice kind of opening track. really gets you in thematically through it. But yeah, you have songs like Waste My Time, which have really nice motifs throughout it as well. Um, pressure, you also start to get... I think Pressure comes in at the right time because it is a track that... Provides some production variance and variety. At a point when, you know, a lot of Trap and B albums honestly fail. A lot of Trap and B albums get kind of stagnant and they start to sound the same or they get lost in just covering a singular, they're just covering love in like a singular angle or a singular way. This, I think, did a really good job of providing a lot of liberty and difference throughout it in an album that just overall has a lot of liberty and difference too. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, go ahead. No, no, sorry, nothing. My my computer's tripping. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah. Once you get to Boy Bye, you get these really fun interludes between Ari Lennox and Lucky Day, and um, I was looking wanting to say Lucky Die for some reason uh, because of my um old audio face mispronunciation tendencies. Um, but you know, times change, values don't. Anyways, I I. Really, I don't know. Like, I have a lot of friends who I uh, talk from like both perspectives. I would say both Ari Lennox's and Lucky Days, mm-hmm. and it, it's just like a very like funny sort of banter about people um, getting along, trying to like flirting, trying to get together. Doctor, no. Fuck you. Nah, it's cool. I'm Josh. I'm Josh. I fuck with you. Like, what's up? Like, whole part with Ari at the end going, like, oh, the vibe's not vibing. Like, um, all these other... It's just really kind of funny and modern and really gets at this... Both the motif within the album of people trying to figure each other out and, you know, seeking love and seeking relationships, especially when there's a lot of barriers being, you know, the internet and a lot of people not 
necessarily being forthright about who they are. But, you know, that can relate and be a very universal experience to how people relate in real life or um, even on dating apps to begin with, where there is kind of that barrier, there is kind of that layer of what's now called catfishing. Um, Like, I I think that's a really good job at being able to blend at both a concept, but also really relate it and really make it palatable and do it in a really fun way. Yeah, I love the banter between them. It's like... Especially towards the end of it, it's really funny. Like, um, those lines belong in 1995, just like them funky Nikes. <laughs> I started dying when I heard that. Um, it's just really cool. Like, I love banters like that. Like, you had that on uh, Mr. Morale, The Big Steppers with Kendrick Lamar. And yeah, I, just, I think it's I a really fun like... kind of flirting. <laughs> and then, but this one is more of like a fun, flirty one, a more like compared to really serious, like argumentative ones, which we've heard before. Like, this is a really fun on the nose way of people flirting and like just it it it's clever i like it and the big thing between it too is lucky day and ari lennox their voices really go well together like they complement one each other especially the banter back and forth it's fantastic absolutely and like we're talking a lot about the banter the song quality is actually amazing as well um they just like blend really well together and they sing like it's just a really solid track there are other great features yeah there are other great features on it as well you have like Mm -hmm. leak it with um chloe which is a much slower song but you know not really pushing too many boundaries production wise but it just is another good pairing of two very good vocalists and -hmm. especially when they have their vocals kind of come together it makes a really solid experience yeah, exactly. Um, and then you kind of like end out with Queen Space with Summer Walker. And it, I think it's a really good ending track. Again, both their track. vocals go in really nicely. Like they blend really nicely at the choruses. It's just solidly produced. Like it, it feels like it sums up, like in all of these expressions of be in all these expressions within um, relationships and expressions of oneself as a person. When it comes down to it, especially in the song Queen Space, it's sort of like, what is good for yourself? What is a positive way of expressing who you are in relationships as opposed to like trying to be someone else for someone else, right? So a lot of these trap and be things, you know, they dip into, you know, just being toxic for the sake of it or getting like funny lines off here or there. And you don't really get a lot of that substance. And when you do get the substance, sometimes it hits you over the head with it too much and doesn't really flow well. This does a really phenomenal job just like hitting it at the right frequency, so to speak. Like it, it, it's playful while still being substantive. And I think those are the best albums of this year have been able to do that, especially when you get into the like lyrics of it. Yeah. Overall, I think it's a fantastic record and I think a lot of people enjoy it. 
and Aria Lennox is really like for a second. This is her second LP, I believe, right? Yes. For being the second LP, amazing. Yes. Arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary scales every week on Audio Face because our review is our review. Um, and uh, we're Americans. And so the arbitrary scale this week is British monarchs. <laughs> Sean, what, 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 which British monarch would you give this? Oh, man. There's so many. God damn. Um, giving this a solid George III. Hmm. I'm gonna give this uh Edward the Seventh. Oof, that's rough. <laughs> 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 that ab- ab- abdicated one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He he's you know the 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 only good royal is a. Uh, anyways, the next album is Arrangements by Preoccupations. Seven songs, 38 minutes long. Sean, you want to take this one away? Yeah, so Preoccupations are a really nice post-punk band that we reviewed one of my absolute favorite records we've ever done on this podcast. Uh, new, material by, uh, new material by them in 2018. Uh, absolutely fantastic record. One of my favorite rock records we've ever reviewed on, on Audio Face. I still listen to it a lot, um, especially like the last uh, ending tracks of Doubt and Compliance. Compliance, one of those songs that just I will listen to all the time. Um, and you know, I didn't hear anything from them for a while, and then they came out with the um, uh, Ricochet as their first uh, single, and you know, we reviewed that, and I was like, okay, it's a decent single let's kind of see how it fits into the record because i was worried that i was like oh it's like it's a decent track but now in the context of a record i actually really like it i think this is the year of me really diving into singles or singles but in the context of records it really makes sense of why they sound the way they do um because i've gone just countless countless singles that have done that to me um okay share's another one but anyways Going to through uh, the start of the album, yeah, Fixed Bayonets, which is a really nice, like, upbeat track just to, like, throw you right into the record. And you're like, yeah, this sounds like Preoccupations. Like, they have a very distinctive sound with the way their guitars are. The vocalist has a very distinctive sound and everything. And it gets you just, like, sucked right into the record of it where it's fast-paced, it's fun, but it's still fresh in that way, which is good for... You know, a group that's been together for a long time, making music for a long time, and a genre that is oversaturated and, you know, hasn't had too many new ideas ideas in a while. Um, Ricochet, again, really like that track a lot now, and uh, go into the full listen of the record. And then Death of the Melodies, where I've started to really enjoy this record. the way that they play with guitars throughout the whole record so like comparing it to new material new material was very like spacey sounding like very like euphoric and ethereal rock in a way 
And I'm glad that they didn't keep that sound because if they just made that sound of a second record, it'd just be like, oh, this is just a, like, a continuation. And it's not. Arrangements is now a little bit more heavy hitting, a little bit harder, but it still has like their trying to sounds of the way the guitars sound, the vocals are, the production of it, fantastic. Um, and with this, just, just it's a little bit quicker, but it's still uh, fresh, which is good. Um, what do you think of it? Before I get more yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah, I. So yeah, pre- preoccupations is definitely there's some songs from preoccupations, especially um, in new material. Um, this it's really for me the beginning of the album, decompose, disarray, um, disarray antidote songs that I really go back to a lot. But I with this record, I on my first listen, kind of actually didn't like it as much. I sort of thought it was like paced weirdly on my second listen i liked it a lot more and i kind of figured out what i didn't like about it i feel like in the middle it takes kind of a daring kind of post-punk path that i don't necessarily like with it because i kind of agree with you with the first three songs fixed bayonets ricochet death of melody kind of really are preoccupations at their best and in a newer kind of form i think slowly almost takes it down almost you know pun intended, like, too slowly, so to speak. Um, it's, you know... It's weird because it's kind of technically a fast song. It has like the drums that happen in the mm-hmm. background that go like kind of really quickly. But I almost feel like it's a little too shoegazy, like a little bit too sleepy for that kind of middle part of the album. Like I almost would have moved it down to the end because yeah. you have Advisor afterwards, which has this long, long buildup and it's definitely worth it. I really like the latter half of that album. It's really good. It's beautiful. It's some of their best work. But I think to really get someone onto that record... I would have put advisor like song number four, really, because yeah. having that kind of leading into it, both times I listened to it, I was like, why do I feel like I'm spacing out, but like kind of not in a good way? Like sort of like in a losing interest in the album way, not in a I'm enjoying the ambient music and like kind of listening to mm-hmm. what I'm like kind of doing it kind of way. And so like I know preoccupations is better than that. And I think it could have just been like a song placement kind of thing. Um, or maybe just like not having the song on there because like it it de- like I remember Advisor definitely won me back with the second half and With the whole song build up, I really, really, really am into that song. I'm like, okay, you won me back, but like, whoa, what what happened there in the middle with me? Yeah, I, that, that's why I stopped at Death of the Melody because I have the same exact um, uh, opinion where I really don't like the placement of Slowly. I wish they had placed it um, at tracks, like maybe track six, like um, put Advisor, Recalibrate, then Slowly, and then Turn Up the Grass. That would have 
that would have like been way smoother for an ending of it because I really like the first three tracks. Slowly just was out of place. Advisor is a beautiful track. I was like, damn, this is really them at their best. And that's why I was loving the sound where to me, like they slowed it down on that track and they had that beautiful build up, like something similar to like compliance on new material, but again, it's a different sound. It's not like that ethereal sound that you got on there, but they're still playing. Compliance by Muse, you mean, right? So what? Compliance by Muse? No, no, compliance by uh, on new material. Oh, oh, like sorry. Last track on new material. Yeah. Or sorry, I, I'm so musicked out. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Um, and then it ends really well to recalibrate and te- tearing up the grass because I love those tracks for to end it up tearing up the grass. Especially, I listened to that on repeat a couple times after I li- after my second listen through of the record, just because I love the way it goes. Um, so I think overall it's a good record. Um. I wish that either you had a different track other than Slowly or you moved it, that placement, or you even made the album maybe one or two songs longer to, and then some of the songs shorter um, to give you a little bit more ideas because there is a lot of ideas and stuff in here that I wanted a little bit more of. Like Advisor, there's a couple of uh, sounds and things I heard. I was like, oh, I kind of want to hear that more. Like there's an idea there that I hear, but it's not completely developed. And even tearing up the grass too is like, hey, there's a couple sounds, a couple ideas here that I would love to hear as a full track or really thought out completely instead of like maybe 30, 40 seconds of a snippet of something and then it changes up. So they're still good. They're still really making great music. I think for rock, especially in 2022, it's a good record. Um, and I'm glad that they pace it differently than the new material. I'm glad that they changed it up for it. Um, there's just a couple little things here and there that would have knocked this album out of the park but it's a solid record and i do i do enjoy it yeah it's like you know more in some places less than others and you would have you will have a really really solid album on your hands um it's just like those refinements there that you know really kind of messed up i really think yeah you i think swapping slowly and recalibrate would have been the move honestly and it's a really kind of severe thing because uh 38 minutes seven songs very much the economy of music right there. We probably would have called that a drop in earlier parts of Audio Face. I think you could definitely call this an album. It has complete completion. It has cohesion. But slowly makes it feel like a collection of songs because it just throws it off so much in the middle. I think by having it as the penultimate song, it would have been better off as a project. But, um, you know, overall, I think this is good quality. And, um, yeah, it was a good thing. I'm glad we covered it the podcast. You and me both. Arbitrary scale. I, mean, I was just like, I'm glad we covered it on the podcast like we chose to. It's like, oh, we, we, I mean, like, also, there is a lot of stuff that came out this week. Um, and we may be able to catch up to it. We may not be able to. Um, in addition to, I, I honestly thought that Gorillaz was going to drop this fall. They're actually dropping next year with um, another backtrack and a Bad Bunny song. Um, so... At least I don't have to do that bonus episode, but I think in its place, we'll have to do like a music recommendations catch up on things we've missed and other stuff we recommend from this year. Because, I mean, it's kind of criminal to not do a couple more before we even get to court packing. It's been a year. Um, anyways, arbitrary scale. Uh, British monarchs. I'm going to give this Eltred the Unready. Ooh. Interesting. That's a good one. This is uh, Henry the Sixth, the one that uh, lost the Hundred Years' War. 
Ugh. Um. I, I think I read something about Eltred the Unready being um. Oh, he he killed his brother Edward the Martyr. Hmm. Dude, this is fucking England, man. England's like, wild, dude. It's just popping off. Find God. <laughs> Anyways, and not the Anglican one either. Um, we will now go to the last album of the day. Served it up Gary's way. We have Bing. "As Above, So Below" by uh, Sample the Great. Eleven songs, thirty-nine minutes long, and. Uh, Sampo the Great has done, I'd say, how many albums? Like, this is maybe her third? No, this is her fourth. No, no, yeah, this is her third um, studio project. And her last one had some really good songs on it. Um, I really liked The Return, Final Form, uh, Time's Up. I think I do remember reviewing that one as well in 2019. So a lot of uh, early audio face returners here, actually. That's, that's, that's the full lineup of the podcast I'm actually kind of figuring out. Many from 2018, 2019 era. Really yeah, nice. The return was awesome. Yeah. Um, Ari Lennox and Preoccupation. So uh, other artists from 2018, 2019. But anyways, this one is a smaller project, a leaner project. That's kind of the theme mm-hmm. as well. It's really kind of coming with all the heavy hitters. Sampa the Great is known for mixing... A lot of African-inspired music, not just Afro beats, but things that you would find um, in a lot of, you know, just context surrounding all of the continent. From um, the drums to the layout of the music to the callbacks to certain um, kinds of traditional African music. It kind of brings it all together along with Sampo the Great's like really good spoken word. Um, mm-hmm. really good rap in here. There's a lot of good stuff. And the features in here, really solid. Uh, what did you think before we get into it? Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think the features were great. The mixing was amazing with it. Uh, production was awesome, like especially for a lot of like the trap songs, stuff like example, Mask on with Jory Badass. I really love the way the production is on that where it's like it's nice it's modern it's a fresher take with trap and it's things that you know I've been wanting for a while you know more electronic sounds and trap more ideas different different ideas, different beats, different percussions and stuff. There's so much you can do with it. And they did that with that track. And I love it. So there's a lot in here that like, we'll dissect in a little bit that are really good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different sounds and a lot of different variation, which, yeah, you don't get from a lot of rap uh, albums. I mean, like, yeah, you don't get a lot from a lot of rap albums still this year because... We've just decided there's a lot of bullshit trap music. We're not going to review every single one. We did an entire year of that where we tried, like, is there anything to this? Is um, no. YB better? YB not better? Is YB oh, better than this? Sorry. YB is definitely not better than this. Not even close to this. No contest? Talk about the YB scale for a second. No contest. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. 
Um, but I, I think the features here are really well thought out and thoughtfully done. Um, but even going back up a little bit, the song Never Forget with... Um, who are these? Like Chef 187, Tio Nasson, and mm-hmm. Mwanje. Like, it's really like the good... The best blending of all these different things you can only get in like a sample of the great record. And all these different sounds and artists and even kind of a pacing of the music is something you don't see a lot in rap ever. It's really like everyone is going off here. Everyone is like to a T the best of what they can produce here. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I never, never forget. It's really cool with that. Like again, the, the way she mixes everything on here, it's fantastic. Everybody fits together. Well, like, when you have everybody like, contributing to throughout the entire record, they're all cohesive as well, which is good and very impressive because you have a lot of different voices throughout this record. And the way that she's able to really just go into it, this is the sound I want, this is the idea I want for the record, and all of that, and be able to hone that all into one cohesive project is very impressive for that. Never forget is a perfect example of it, where you have three different artists, very different, all, all sounding, and they go together well. Yeah. Um, uh, skipping to the end, IDGAF has this almost mm-hmm. like Royals by Lord sort of like spin to speak. Because it has like that deep bassy sound that um no more, no more, no more, oh, like kind of in the background. Yeah. It really reminded me of that. But I think in kind of the most like flattering kind of way, not like too copying in that kind of sense. But like oh, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um I think overall it just, you know, emanates that vibe of she has really kind of hitting her stride. Uh I Overall, it was a really good project. I found that you had your fast tracks, your slow tracks. Um, and at 40 minutes long, it's really easy to get into. It's easily one of the more unique projects that has come out of the year. It's one of the more unique projects that has come out from a um, woman in rap music this year, especially. Uh, because, you know, even that's starting to get kind of trapped stale of like a certain kind of depiction or... Um, type of black woman in rap music, sort of like a Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B sort of archetype, which there's nothing wrong with, of course, but like that can be sort of played out and done repeatedly, repeatedly to a point where it just seems like you're kind of copying and chasing one thing. Sampa the Great maintains her own uniqueness, her own style, her own flow, and this album is just a really great execution of that. I think compared to other albums where... Some of the songs didn't have as long of staying power, although there were like a few songs that I just kept playing for years and years. I think this song, this album has more songs on it that um, will just like stand the test of time because the quality is just that good. Yeah. Uh, Arbitrary scale. 
Yeah, arbitrary skill. I'm I'm you know, I, I'm gonna give this the old I'm gonna give this the old lizard two. Lizard two? Lizard two. I like it. This is a good this is a this is her dad, uh King George the Sixth, also known as Bertie. Also known as Edward's brother. The only good the only good king because he never wanted to be king, wasn't supposed to be king, but his his brother dipped out to go fly with some Nazis and he's like Fuck well, I guess I'm king now. That's great. Thanks, asshole. <laughs> Guess I'm king now. Um, the Silicon Valley story. We're gonna do a little bit of um, public stuff because uh, this is just a uh, this is just a audio face well trodden ground here. So um, the inaugural uh, Edwin Farnham Butler the Third noted little bitch award um, a recipient, aka Win Butler has been accused of sexual misconduct by at least four individuals who have accused um, him of unwanted sexual advances, coercion, and other manipulative behavior. So um, Pitchfork is reporting this first. The alleged misconduct took place between 2015 and 2020 when the victims, three women and one person who is gender fluid and uses they-them pronouns, range in, be- in age between 18 and 23 when Butler was between 36 and 39. Where have I seen this before? Pitchfork spoke to friends and family members of the alleged victims who recalled being told about the incidents and viewed screenshots of text messages and Instagram conversations between them and Butler. Pulling the handbrake. Um, In a written statement to Pitchfork, Butler acknowledged having relationships with the four individuals, but said they were all consensual. Saying, quote, I have never touched a woman against her will and any implication that I have is simply false. I vehemently deny any allegation that I forced myself on a woman or demanded sexual favors. That simply unequivocally never happened. Um, But apparently, you know, so like that's one, the kind of like the both sides of the stories are out there. Going into some of the details, um, the victims didn't know anything about each other originally until one of the individuals who used the pseudonym Stella made an Instagram post identifying Butler as a quote, sexual predator who would constantly try to coerce me into sexual encounters and sending nude photos of myself and sending unsolicited nude pictures of himself after I repeatedly told him I wasn't interested. Um, Upon seeing Stella's post, the other alleged victims who spoke to Pitchfork began sharing their own experiences on social media and Reddit um, noting gaps in age, power dynamics, and context in which they occurred. And um, Butler responded to each allegation individually, kind of saying, the majority of these relationships were short-lived and my wife was aware. Our marriage has, in the past, been more unconventional than some. <laughs> Butler said, I have been, quote, I have been connected with people in person at shows and through social media and have shared messages of which I am not proud. Most importantly, every single one of those interactions have been mutual and always been consenting adults. It is deeply revisionist and frankly wrong for anyone to suggest otherwise. Um, as I look to the future, I'm continuing to learn from my mistakes and working hard to be a, become a better person, someone my son can be proud of. <sighs> How come every single time they throw a family member always as a human always. shield. Like, like it's throw it in here, just soak it up, bud. Is, is, is there like a there must be a playbook? There has to be like a playbook. Um, 
I'm sorry for all the pain I caused. I'm sorry I wasn't aware and tuned to the effect I, w- I have on people. I fucked up while it's not an excuse. I will continue to look forward and heal what can be healed and learn from past experiences. I can do better and I will do better. Um, and then, right. you know, her, her, when Butler's um, wife also released a statement. So oh, that one was rough. I, I, I don't even want to go into that because I kind of summed up the whole kind of like family angle and I don't I, I've I I've as a story on the audio face podcast, we don't necessarily love the whole like angle of using your family as a human shield for your own mistakes. So um what what Sean, you, you have the floor. <laughs> not good. It's it's not good. Um the big thing, though, of this is the aftermath. Like, I, um, like a whole swoon of things happened after the allegations came out and whatnot. Of like, uh, radio stations were pulling arcade music's fire. Arcade, what in the fuck? Arcade <laughs> fire's music. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> um, and then like, they're having issues with people on tour. It was this. It has a big effect on it, and. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the band deals with this in the future. Also, is like they already had issues with like his brother leaving the band. Yeah, too, right. But it, it, it's what, it's unclear before, unclear if like this was going on before all of that. He found like I, we have no idea. Um, but like yeah. they've already had a lot of strenuous times with Arcade Fire already, and now this it's like this year was a lot for them. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that tumult was a lot of radio stations in Canada saying that they were going to, you know, pause their playing of Arcade Fire until they figure out what the hell is going on. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, more of it was, uh, Feist, who is, um, at least one point was going to be joining, um, was basically joining be joining Arcade Fire on tour with, you know, like opening up for them. Basically, open up the first show for them because the first show happened three days after the allegations mm-hmm. came out in Pitchfork. And so she donated, it was in Dublin, Ireland, and she donated proceeds from her merchandise sales to Women's Aid Dublin, which I think was a fair thing to do. But even after that, she would later go on to withdraw off from the tour saying that she, quote, can't continue and that, quote, I was never here to stand for or with Arcade Fire. I was here to stand on my own two feet on the stage, a place I've grown to feel where I belong as I've earned my own. I play for my band, my crew, their loved ones and all their families and the people who play their hard-earned money to share space and collective synergy that is a show. The ebb and flow of my successes, failures of other decisions affect our livelihoods and I recognize how lucky I am to be able to travel the world singing songs about my life, my thoughts, experiences and to have that to my career, I never take that for granted. Um, my experiences include the same experiences as the many people I've spoken to since the news broke on Saturday and the many strangers whom I may only be able to reach with this letter or not at all. We all have a story ranging within the spectrum, ranging from basic tos- baseline toxic masculinity to pervasive misogyny to actually being physically, uh, psychologically, emotionally, or sexually assaulted. 
The situation touches each of our lives and speaks to us in a language unique to each of our processing. There isn't a singular path to heal when you've endured any version of the above, nor a singular path to rehabilitate the perpetrators. It can be a lonely road to make sense of ill treatment. I can't solve that by quitting, and I can't solve that by staying, but I can't continue. Um, Arcade Fire apologized by basically saying, we're very sorry to see Leslie go, but we completely understand and respect her decision, which I think is like a classy thing for Arcade Fire to do. Um, but even going back to the statement, I think that's a very powerful statement from Feist. I think it's really yeah. level-headed, really kind of shows everything that's laid out on the table from um, what has to be dealt with, the backing band, uh, the fans, just the people who have resonated with these experiences, with the women who have resonated with these experiences at a time when, um, you know, there were a lot of these allegations coming out in the music industry, in the indie music industry, indie music world, especially during the Me Too allegations um, back in 2017, 2018, etc. Um, even up to 2019. And there were... There was kind of like a moment in time where it kind of felt like these things just kind of like weren't going to be taken seriously by a lot of different outlets or they're just going to be brushed aside because you had, um, who was it on Kanye's album? Marilyn Manson. All that seemed to come and go. You had um, the stuff with Tory Lanez. I mean, like, it's physical assault when we're talking about the alleged foot shooting kind of deal, right? So this all this stuff is kind of happening in the media and it seems to be kind of just brushed away scot-free. But when you have this sort of like connection, this mutual understanding of what's going on and like an action surrounding it, it's good to see that people are starting to kind of learn how to better respond to all these things. Um, As for how people are reacting to it and maybe probably why one reason Feist was sort of uncomfortable with it, the after that first gig when Feist opened before Feist decided to pull out from it, um, there was um, rapturous applause, according to um, mm-hmm. one person on Twitter who kind of just noted that, like, you know, it, it didn't seem like anyone made any sort of like sense or presence. A lot, it wasn't like a lot of booing or whatever. There was like. The arena was filled to capacity when they played the Dublin 3 Arena. And <laughs> when Butler kept his stage banter to a minimum, which was probably smart, and he said uh, he thanked everyone from the bottom of his heart for coming out. So kind of like very not acknowledging the situation, at least from then. But, you know, probably something about that didn't feel necessarily great. I mean, like, there, there's something between the boundary of all of the shows should be canceled because, again, when Butler is just but one member of the band of Arcade Fire. They had nothing to do with this, and they are musicians that play a major role in this. They shouldn't be punished by it. There's something in between the spectrum of all Arcade Fire shows should be canceled and we should stop playing Arcade-fired music forever, and um, when Butler should not get away with this, you know, socially or publicly scot-free, um, should these allegations prove out to be true, as he seemed to kind of, like, acknowledge that a lot of these are, and that he, you know, like really tries to look within himself to try to stop himself from doing these kind of things. Because this is something that a lot of men in power just feel a lot of free ability to do. Yeah. Um, we just got to keep people accountable. That's the biggest thing. 
just hold them yes. accountable for their actions, hold them accountable for that. I mean, that's what we do on this damn podcast. We practice what we preach to an nth degree. Um, and it seems like, I mean, I haven't heard too much thing, but he's kind of just off the radar and stuff. But when he's admitted to it and he's like owning up to his mistakes in a way, but still like not the bet. It's 3.6 Ronkin. Not horrible. Like, not great, not horrifying the way his response is. Because, you know, most of the responses, it's complete denial, complete just utter denial. Throw it in your face. The Trump way of, you know, just throw it in your face and go fuck yourself, basically. But when is the first one in a long time, I guess, of actually owning up to his mistakes and stuff. And it'll be really telling of how it is in the next couple months, next year, next couple years and stuff of Arcade Fire and himself of what happens with the band, what happens with him and, and the victims and stuff as well to see what course of action they take to it. So we'll see what happens. Not great. And yeah. It's always just like music industry sucks. Yeah. Um, moving on. Yeah. It looks like we will finally, finally be getting the Vince Staples show. Oh, Hell yes. Um, executive produced by the creator of Blackish, Kenya Barris. Uh, Vince Staples will headline and self star in a project that does not have a release date yet, but did get on a at least like a working titles project at Netflix. Um, it's going to be called The Vince Staples Show. It's going to be a scripted series of shows set in North Long Beach, California, loosely inspired by events on his life. It's no, it's not clear whether it will account on, you know, you know, the early days like Summertime 06 or the oh, Vince Staples awesome. or like uh, self-taught Vince Staples or maybe some of the newer stuff um, like Big Fish Theory or like that kind of newer era of what he's been doing now. Um, Vince Staples is also apparently going to appear in a lot of other things, including the remake of White Men Can't Jump and... Another other different thing. Of course, remember, I forgot the other thing he's going to be appear- appearing in as well, but there was also the Vince Staples show, which was a couple of, you know, one-off singles that got released, episode one and episode two. There was So What and Why You Hate On Me uh, that were released a while ago in 2019 that also had some shorts uh, signed to them as well. So it seemed like those counted as little teasers for the album that came up. I'm sorry, for the uh, Netflix show that came up. Yeah. um, We've been looking forward to this for a long time, so I'm excited that it's actually happening. I'm excited that it's going to be in production soon, so hell yeah. Also hit up uh, Caesar from We Made a Podcast and Power Report to go and act in that too, you know. Have him in there, Long Beach native. Have him roll up. Hell yeah. Yeah, knows the North Long Beach streets well. Definitely be a good uh, pick out there. Uh, Ready and available. Check him out on Power Report uh, most Thursdays. Twitch.tv slash Dan from the web. And what else was I going to say about... Oh, yeah. Um, It's actually good that this got announced on Netflix by Netflix again. It means that, you know, it doesn't mean the show will absolutely happen, but... Netflix is Netflix has been doing a lot of cutting lately, and so the fact this even got announced this year, despite all those cuts, means it's very promising to continue, or at least Netflix would very much want it to. So um, here's hoping that it ends up working out. Even Vince Staples has like expressed his interest in branching out beyond music. So 
it looks like the stars could align here. I think the Vince Staples show would be a great idea. I agree. I'm looking forward to it happening. Yeah. Moving on, uh, Ukraine and Pusha T do a collab. Basically, the Defense Ministry of Ukraine, um, which does a lot of PR relating to the war in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine that's going on, it's hit a lot of a standstill. It's essentially like a war of attrition, as a lot of people have agreed at this point. And um, as we were sort of talking about on PowerPoint, but uh, the they tweeted, quote, I put numbers on the boards, referencing a Pusha T song. And they were talking, they posted an infographic talking about total combat losses. Um, basically, what they had destroyed of the Russians from February 24th to September 7th. And it shows around 50,000 killed enemies, over 2,000 tanks, 4,500 armored vehicles, 300 um, basically air surface-to-air missiles, uh, 214 cruise missiles, almost 1,000 drones, like basically all these different things as a stat sheet and also a shout-out to Pusha T. And King Push says, great taste in music for the win. Beautiful. Pusha T. Pusha T. <laughs> Pusha T. Again, like, Pusha T is secretly, kind of sneakily, like a very, very strong rapper out there. I thought his product this year was really solid. I had a lot of staying power and uh, very, very underrated. I don't think gets enough credit. But here, credit where credit is absolutely due. 100%. Uh, here's an interesting sort of take I want to have. So, um, what do Tucky Monster and Eminem have in common? Of course, we've talked about on a super old episode of Audio Face. You can become an Audio uh, Syndicate 23 member and get all the old episodes of Audio Face and Power Report whenever you want to it mm-hmm. in one place at join.syndicate23.co. It was episode 18 I did with um, my friend Tammy one of the times when you were doing a triathlon. And um, we did an episode about Tucky Monster and how she had to basically yeah go through emergency brain surgery and relearn how to do music entirely in order to make music again and then like make music better Crazy. and so like, it's, it, it's such an, an insane story and stuff and we like anytime we review talking about stuff we can't repeat that enough because it's just an amazing thing to overcome as a human to basically relearn everything and be better in the process. And appa- too, which is absurd. And apparently a similar thing happened with Eminem because um, Eminem was talking on Paul Rosenberg's Paul Pod podcast. Because, of course, uh, this is just the human centipede of content. And um, <laughs> he was talking about his 2007 overdose. And he was saying, quote, I remember when I first got sober and all the shit was out of my system. I remember being really happy. Um, Everything was fucking new again. But he had to retain himself having a craft, essentially. Um, Basically, he talked about, in 2017, in Vulture at one point, saying that he was so scatterbrained that people thought that he was having brain damage and his rhymes weren't making sense. So it was a point around 2007, 2009 that 
he kind of had to challenge himself and relearn how to rhyme and how to rap and how to really make music. He said at one point in 2009 interview with the New York Times, he would stack a bunch of words and just go down the line and try to fill the blanks to make sense out of them when he was trying to relearn how to rap. Um, even Rosenberg said, going back to the most recent podcast, that he was very concerned that he might have some actual permanent brain problems. So it is really... You mean it goes to show like Talking Monster didn't have like a drug problem, so to speak. That was just like no, no, no. I, just I a forget freak scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, this goes one thing: uh, uh, drugs are bad, MK, right? So uh, kids don't do them. Uh, this is like one big example here. But so and don't especially try to do them, thinking that you'll uh, recover and become like a great uh, brain musician afterwards, right? But terrible idea. Sounds bad. Sounds bad. Definitely doesn't work. Uh, you'll just end up becoming Lil Uzi Ver- uh, Pause Juice World. Uh, got lost in got got lost in the juice a little bit there for a moment. Remember that. Um, but it was very difficult for him to relearn all that music, and I think that you know, latter Eminem, he's still very consistent with it. He's still very rapid with the flows. He's still very very good. Um. He's really hitting his stride. I definitely would consider him Uncle Rappy, but a lot of Uncle Rappers kind of never evolve and they're constantly doing the same thing. He is, yeah, Eminem is definitely a brand. It's definitely a style, but he is continuing on to do what he's doing. I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. And that's a really interesting comparison to see the two of them with that. I thought that was really cool. Yes. And we always like to end audio face in a fun note. Ozzy Osbourne has said, um, when asked about reloading to, relocating to the UK, that absolutely, yes, he is going to, because he, quote, does not want to die in America. Big fucking saying. I like America. Um, America likes me. While previous reports had cited Ozzy's health and California's taxes as reasons for the move, apparently mm. there's a moral stake, according to a new interview for The Observer. Um, Sharon um, Osbourne said... I know people would think it was about Ozzy's health. It's not. It's just about time. America's changed so dramatically. It's not the United States of America at all. Nothing's united about it. It's a very weird place to live. Um, he kind of talks about people getting shot up all the time and not really wanting to die in America in that kind of context, which is a thing that I touch on a lot in an upcoming Dan from the Internet documentary special that is going to be available for Syndicate 20 members, 23 members first at join.syndicate23.co. Um, if you have not gotten enough plugs about the damn thing already, um, thank you. For, if you are a member, thank you very much for being a member. You're going to get that first, and thank you for waiting. Um, it's definitely a really good one, and I have it editing on my tiny computer as we speak, so that's really fun. And it, it, these are all very valid things coming from Ozzy Osbourne, honestly. So I, I really sympathize with him. And me too. I do as well. It's not, not necessarily supposed to be a fun note. We want it to be a fun note, but um, have fun in the fact that you got some special news in the uh, free portion of the podcast. And uh, we are going to be recording a lot of really fun stuff for Syndicate 23 members and eventually for the public. So stay tuned. Become a Syndicate 23 member to get all of it first and on demand and in the highest quality possible at join.syndicate23.co. And we will see you next week with more audio face what does it mean to play us out uh follow us audio face pod at twitter or instagram wherever you get 
Um, well, Twitter and Instagram are the social media platforms, obviously. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to podcasts, that is where we um, can really appreciate your support by making sure you follow us there. And then uh, Sean can be found on Twitter and Instagram at SW Suarez. I can be found on Twitter and Twitch at Dan from the Web, on Instagram and TikTok at Dan from the Internet. Thank you very much for listening and watching. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Bye.